we've always talked about constant learning. I think now it's actually real. Um, now it's real around sort of that continuous of evolution that, you know, you need to continue to learn new things, try new things, learn from mistakes. That's one of those concepts that kind of leads into so many of our HR topics. It, yes, of course, leads into individualized learning journeys. It leads into, you know, having the right culture, like a culture that really sort of focuses on being inclusive, um, that focuses on, on really providing that psychological safety that at the same time is a culture that, you know, really drives people to want to perform, to want to actually excel. That was SAP Chief People Officer and Chief Operating Officer Sabina Bendik. You know, this conversation, I really enjoyed sitting down with Sabina to learn more about her career transition into the HR role, how she is creating connections between the CPO and COO role, and how SAP is approaching innovation at scale with their new Pledge to Flex structure. So I'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool, powering fast-growing companies like Shopify, Rubrik, and Sneak. Automate messages across the employee journey so you never miss an opportunity and your employees are supported every step of the way. From onboarding to becoming a new manager and more, PIN helps companies communicate at scale. Go to pinhq.com for more information. That's P-Y-N-H-Q.com. Reinvent communications for the distributed workforce. And now, on to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Redefining HR Podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt. And today, I'm really excited to be sitting down with Sabina Bendik. She is the Chief People and Operations Officer at SAP. And it's going to be very fascinating to learn more about how she brings both of those roles together and her transition into the field of HR. So Sabina, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, why don't you start with just a brief introduction for the listeners and viewers? Sure. And first of all, Lars, thanks for having me. And actually, it's a real pleasure. So let me just introduce myself very briefly. Sabine Bendig uh, started as the Chief People and Operations Officer for SAP as of January this year, so still pretty new. And actually, I was a newbie to HR, if you want to call it that way. Um, so I've actually done many general management positions before. And um, I have to say, I've come to the conclusion that specifically in tech, people are kind of like the most important thing, the most important asset you have. And therefore, it was kind of like very consequential that I ended up in an HR position. Yeah, and I, and I want to talk about that transition because, as you mentioned, you had an extensive business executive, kind of MD background uh, across a range of technology companies before joining SAP in January in this dual role. So what was it that drew you to this opportunity and kind of led you perhaps to, to take a shift in your career? Initially, it felt like a very sort of interesting idea. It was kind of like, hey, but I've always done general management. Why would I actually go and actually focus on like the people and the operations component? And then when you look at it, a lot of my experience is around sort of taking companies in the middle of a transformation and actually helping on that transformation. So leading through change. And what do you learn? As I said, you learn in tech, people are the greatest asset you have, right? I mean, they're honestly, if people don't step up and don't want to really make a change, really want to move forward, really want to challenge their boundaries and feel safe challenging their boundaries, not much happens actually, right? So, um, you know, you've got to get the people component right. And on the other hand, you know, people without the help of technology and processes, 
it is very hard to get a transformation going. So when you look at SAP and we are on this transformation journey, it really felt like a great opportunity to take what I learned from a general management perspective and really sort of use that to support SAP in that transformation, really looking after the people and the operations component, which essentially means people, systems, and processes. Yeah, and it's a it's a fascinating kind of blending of roles, and I definitely want to get into that with you um, later in the podcast. But I'm curious, coming into the role in January, what you know, obviously as a leader within a range of organizations, you've obviously worked closely with HR functions and people functions over your career. But it was, as you say, your first time leading that function. How did you prepare yourself, you know, for that transition? What what did you maybe uh, you know do heading into that role, or even kind of in your onboarding period to kind of accelerate? Your, um, your, your kind of understanding uh, of the, the HR function in order to begin building your strategy? I think you do the usual thing, right? Uh, you listen a lot. You try to understand sort of what's been happening before you joined. Um, you try to understand what people are struggling with. Um, and then, you know, you just also get a lot of input and feedback from your stakeholders, right? Because they typically, you know, have a pretty strong idea about the things that should be really important to you and your people, Right. And you pull that together. And honestly, I mean, the other piece is you kind of like also go back sort of, you know, to your experience, you'll go back to, you know, people in your network, you know, get their thinking. And um, I've definitely made sure that like with many sort of CHROs, I happen to know, you know, from my prior roles, that I actually have that active network already. So I could go back and say, hey, listen, I mean, is this something that you're grappling with as well? So um, that's, that's how you go about it, actually. And then honestly, what you find very quickly is, when you listen and, and you sort of really, you know, solicit sort of input from your people, you very quickly get a very good idea in, in terms of what the big rocks are that you need to move, right? I mean, it's so interesting. I think, you know, you're right. Everybody has an opinion about HR and, and people programs and kind of what uh, what your focus uh, should ideally be. Um, did anything surprise you kind of transitioning into HR? Maybe you, you held some assumptions about the function based on, on your working with them as a client partner and a business partner, um, but now leading the function and, and obviously kind of owning the execution of HR. Did, did any aspects of the function surprise you? I think what you learn is even though, you know, you always thought you've been very exposed to HR and you've sort of, you know, you've had a lot of insight in terms of what they do because you took a very active interest. You only see the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it's amazing when you look at the amount of things that are going on, um, you know, that entire mix of like all those transactions that happen, you know, that actually have to happen to keep the company going, to actually make sure we're looking after our people and then really building on top of this and sort of adding those strategies, um, you know, those really strategic interactions. It is an amazingly complex and, and actually a pretty wonderful function. And I think it's actually at a very interesting point in time where, you know, HR tended to be sort of that function where maybe data wasn't that important. And you really see how it's been turning, you know, very much towards data driven insights to make sure we're doing the right thing and we're really doing things that are meaningful. Uh, and I think that's actually a great thing. It's such an interesting time for the field broadly. Um, cut across almost any lens, whether it's it's data, whether it's the, the conversation and actions around diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, whether it's building flexible work structures, and, and these are all things that are very much uh, centered in, in kind of what you're building, and, and we'll definitely get into that. 
on this episode. But I want to just kind of level set for listeners and viewers a little bit. Um, I imagine most are familiar with SAP as as an organization, as a you know software tool and a suite of tools as HXM. But they might not be familiar with SAP from a you know headcount perspective uh, and an and a HR and people team structure. Um, standpoint. So if you wouldn't mind, can you give an overview of just the, the size and scope of the business and then how your HR team is structured to support them? Uh, when you sort of look at SAP in total, you're basically looking at about 103,000 employees um, and you're looking at about 155 countries where these employees are based in. Um, when you look at the HR team, it's actually covering a very broad um, spectrum. So it's covering everything, which is people and culture. Um, and that basically means, um, of course, everything that's working with businesses. So what you'd call like the typical HRBP and HR advisor structures, so HR business partners, and HR advisors, sort of working with our business partners to ensure that they actually get all the services, can consume all the services, and you involve them in, the, in driving the right strategies around their people to, you know, um, total rewards, um, to um, learning and development, um, to culture um, as a very important part of the function. Um, so it's the entire range. Um, when you um, look at our people strategy, you would think, you know, we have an HR strategy, like every function kind of like has their strategy. We were just very clear that this shouldn't be the HR strategy. It's going to be the people strategy, the strategy we really give ourselves as a company. It's kind of like a company chart, I could even call it in that way, right? What are the right things we need to do for our people? And that includes, um, you know, a lot of um, things around you know, reimagining our total rewards um, journey, um, really um, looking at the diversity and, and inclusion angle and a whole slew of other things. Yeah, and so one of the things that, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know, your background had been kind of from the business MD side into HR. And it's, it's a fascinating time, I think, for roles like yours um, across the field, because that is that that transition into HR leadership um, is, is no longer really uncommon. We are seeing more of that people who kind of come into that role from other areas of the business internally or even externally, um, because they tend to bring a, a level of, um, you know, business acumen and understanding that they can leverage to, to link the people strategy to. And I'm curious, did you find, um, and I know you are, 10 months uh, into the role so far, but are there are there any particular uh, experiences from your past in kind of those MD and business roles that uh, you feel kind of uniquely transitioned over to your role as an HR executive? I, I think if there's probably two things um, I continue to come back to, one thing is um, let's have empathy for our customers um, in terms of those people we actually have to work with to ensure things land. And, you know, I think it's just really important to understand, you know, as, as like every central function, um, you know, you have to understand as HR that, you know, even though everything you do is like super well intentioned or intended, you know, it's, it's very important. It lands with the people in the business, which means you always have to think about how do you truly package it in a way to make it easy, to make it easy and to make it sustainable. That's a big thing I keep on coming back to. It's not enough to write the email to launch something. You know, it's got to be something that people find easy to take, work with, and actually continue to work with and continue to deliver on it. Uh, and I guess the other thing is very much around what are the tangible successes, the, the, the milestones and the tangible successes and the wins. Um, just, just try to, to clarify um, what good looks like, what success looks like, so you can actually go back and 
you know, understand what, what actually worked and what didn't. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you raised both those points. And I think in particular, the, the first point around how we package and, and, you know, in some cases sell kind of these ideas and these programs to our employee populations. You know, the, the field of HR has really evolved to the point where, you know, branding, marketing, and communications are essential skills for the function to be able to, you know, introduce these programs in a way that makes it easy for employees to, um, to adopt, to digest, to get excited about. Um, so yeah, I think it is, it's, it's fascinating. You keyed on that as one of the, the, the key things that kind of from your past to help prepare you for this role, because I think it is so important, um, in this day and age, particularly in this environment we're in now, where so much of our communications and interactions are, are digital and virtual, right? You, you can't have that all hands town hall where everybody's in a meeting and you can take questions from everybody live. The, the, that's just not happening right now. So you know, your role is really interesting because it's both it combines both the people function and the operations function as, you know, chief people operations officer. Why was it important for you to kind of come into a role where you're overseeing both of those functions and, and, and how do you how do you manage that? It was actually an idea that, um, you know, we de- developed together. So actually when um, our CEO approached me around this role and, you know, initially we started talking about the people role and then actually, you know, it was very clear when we started to look at sort of what I could add to SAP and, you know, where SAP was in their transformation journey, that it really felt to both of us, it really made loads of sense and actually also felt very clearly to the board the same way that it made loads of sense to combine these two pieces. And I talked about it earlier where it's kind of like people are the most important part of that transformation. Yes. But, you know, it can make it so much easier for your people if you also have a lot of clarity around how you're looking to support them sort of on the um, technology and on the, on the processes side. And therefore it just, you know, it, it just felt like the right combination because clearly it's kind of like salt and pepper. I mean, people in operations, you know, without these two components that are really being well aligned and actually, you know, having sort of a lot of clarity where we're trying to take the company, um, it, it's very hard to actually go through a transformation. And, you know, how do I spend time on it? I mean, um, or how do I divvy up my time? It's actually not about divvying up my time, actually. For me, it's about making sure we actually get to understanding how to truly sort of drive those things um, in, in a very synchronized way. And we've just sort of come off our first leadership meeting, which it was actually very exciting. So like nine months into the well, nearly 10 months into the role, actually, it was the first time I got to meet all of my leadership team in person, which was wonderful. You know, thanks to the pandemic, it took a little bit of time. You know, we started to really look at, when we look at sort of, you know, where SAP's headed and what our contribution to this is, what are the things that we think, you know, we can pull together to truly sort of add and accelerate that journey? That's been actually very exciting. So, so we're really looking to bring those things together and to really look at sort of effects where we can sort of truly you know, support each other to accelerate SAP's journey. Um, So that's the way I look at it. So it's not really about divvying up time. So a lot of them, you know, they all have roles to play and a lot of it is actually interlocked. Hey everyone. I'm excited to introduce you to the new Amplify Accelerator platform. The Amplify and Redefining HR ecosystem have evolved quite a bit over the last two years, starting with a podcast, growing to a book, and now leading to a full platform aimed at developing and supporting the next generation of chief people officers. You know, the mission of Amplify is accelerating innovation at scale, and we now do that through HR executive search services, cohort courses, communities, jobs, and media 
that includes the podcast and the book. So you can check all of this out at AmplifyTalent.com. And now back to the show. When you kind of frame this in the context of driving transformation at scale, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because those are um, there are dependencies in on both of those areas that are that that you know have to be kind of linked in order to do that. And so by overseeing both areas, I can see how that maybe removes some of the friction that other contemporaries may have when that's another function and now they have to kind of get buy-in and adoption and coordination uh, amongst two separate teams versus having everything uh, under under one leader's vision um, for the transformation. I think one thing I noticed is when people, you know, really start talking to each other from, you know, the people and the operation side of the house, they actually, you know, do notice that it's actually good to have the same language to even understand what the others are doing. And all of a sudden, you know, a lot of things start making sense to them where you're like, okay, probably a lot of it gets lost in translation in many times, right? Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think, uh, I mean, many, most organizations, those functions operate in silos. And so the level of um, communication and, you know, through that understanding, um, you know, it can have some, some uh, you know, hurdles to overcome, I, th- I think, in those environments where, where those functions are separate. One of the things that you announced earlier this year that I'd love to learn more about is your new kind of pledge to flex um, workforce structure. And I think we're in this interesting time in HR right now where um, for many of us, we are, you know, reinventing work. We're redefining work. The, the industrial era constructs of work, whether it was Monday through Friday, nine to five happens in an office. All of those things have been kind of, you know, uh, shattered at this point and, and where work happens, when work happens, how work happens, uh, that is being redesigned. And so it's, it's such an interesting time for the field. And I hear, you know, a lot of organizations, you know, they, when they look at examples of, you know, people strategies that are flexible, they tend to think more of, you know, startups or SMBs or smaller companies, certainly not companies operating at scale in 50 plus countries and over 100,000 employees like you are, yet you are also embracing this approach. So can you just tell me a little bit more about the, the Pledge to Flex initiative and kind of what that means for employees and how you designed it? Absolutely. And um, as you said, uh, you know, the pandemic has definitely changed a lot of those notions around what work means and how work looks like. And um, and honestly, you know, those old patterns like those nine to five and the five days and, you know, um, you know, you do go to the office and then you go back home. home to, I mean, those are actually like 20 year old concepts, 20, 30 year old concepts. Right. And um, I mean, so much has changed in the work. So much um, has changed in technology. So much has changed in uh, customer expectations that, you know, it's kind of like surprising that we didn't really adapt work, right? Pledge to Flex was actually an outcome. So during the pandemic, we really surveyed our um, employee base very regularly. And we can't, you know, we're trying to really sort of understand where we're going to be headed sort of after the pandemic. And was it more about a total return to the office or, you know, would people really prefer to stay at home? And um, it was very interesting that more than 90%, it was actually closer to 96% of our employee base actually came back saying like, they'd love to kind of like get to a hybrid work style. They all absolutely appreciated um, that opportunity to continue to come to, to come back and continue to work sort of in teams, in person. But at the other side or on the other side, they all got to appreciate that opportunity of, you know, being flexible in terms of working from home or working from other places at some point in time, right? Um, so it was very clear that actually, you know, a lot of people favored um, flex work. 
And we kind of took this, but actually there were huge variations throughout the globe, huge variations for different functions. So we kind of looked at this and we're kind of like, so, you know, what is it that we'll do with this data um, that's coming back? And basically went back and said, you know what, I think it's about empowering our employees around truly doing what they need to bring their best and, you know, have their best contribution, um, you know, to work. And that, that is actually how the Pledge to Flex emerged. And it's really about, hey, listen, we think you as an employee know best what at any point in time is sort of the best way to work. What we are about is we want to enable you, we want to enable your manager to ensure that that one actually really works, makes sense, makes sense for our customers. And actually, you know, you have the infrastructure in the offices, you have offices that enable you to really do that collaboration, to do that bonding. But on the other side, we want to give you that flexibility around technology, but also around management style that you can actually also, you know, be at home, be flexible to make sure you also have an opportunity to look after your whole life, not just sort of after work. And um, that's what happened. And actually, it's, it's actually being greeted with a lot of very positive resonance and um, we believe it's actually a wonderful way to go ahead but it actually does entail a lot of work or a lot of enablement actually also for the leadership teams how do you truly manage in a fully hybrid work world and and that is one of those that we're currently doubling down on so how do you create the local frameworks to ensure you're really doing the right thing tax and legally and still for the employees in all the countries around the world because we have to do this for 155 countries and how do we make sure that all our leadership all our leaders truly understand how to really use this and how do, how, how do you continue to form great teams in a truly hybrid working environment yeah you know i'm i'm glad you raised that last point as well because i think the as we're creating these new flexible constructs, right? I think that the history of HR has been more playbook driven, right? We have kind of set practices of how we tend to think about performance or learning or, or DEI or recruiting. Um, in these new flexible constructs, we're rewriting those playbooks. And, and I think that the it, it's important for HR leaders to be remembering that it's not just about kind of redesigning these new flexible constructs, it's supporting both our employees and then very importantly, our managers to be able to to do those functions effectively under these new constructs, because for many of them, you know, this uh, flex work, hybrid work, it's not just new for their employees, but it's new for them both as an employee and as a leader. And so, having that guidance and support, um, I think, goes a long way. Um, when you think about uh, this new kind of uh, flexible work construct, how do you see that connecting to SAP's kind of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Uh, initiatives. How, does that does it change at all how you think about DEI within SAP? I think it, it, it can definitely help um, because, of course, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, having that flexibility around sort of where do you work and how do you work and when do you work <laughs> to a certain degree, I, I think it does help to be attractive to populations of varying backgrounds and also to make sure that you continue to actually drive sort of the geographical um, diversity as well, right? Because it does enable a lot of virtual teamwork a lot better. Because one of the interesting things we learned in the pandemic, by the way, was that usually when you had kind of like sort of 10 people in a room or, um, you know, five people in a room and there's like the odd two people sort of calling in virtually, we all know how that feels and we all know how difficult it is to actually feel included, right? And what we all learned in the pandemic was when everybody was virtual, all of a sudden, you know, everybody was kind of like on the same footing <laughs> in terms of, you know, being heard, um, getting sort of, you know, their arguments into the discussion. 
And um, interesting enough, it seemed to be so much more inclusive. Um, so when you look at hybrid work styles, obviously, you know, um, there is an opportunity of actually keeping some of that good practice to make sure you're really truly sort of enabling different um, people with different backgrounds and different personalities to actually be heard, be seen. But on the other side, yes, you have to, have to make sure that you uh, really accompanying this and that you really accompany this with sort of the right set of enablement around sort of how do you build those teams, how you continue to drive a fully inclusive culture, you know, um, both virtually and in sort of real, you know, person meetings and interactions. Yeah, well, I think uh, you raised some great points, and it, it'll be so interesting to see uh, as more organizations, especially you know, enterprise and sizable organizations, begin adopting these flexible constructs. How that does impact all of these areas, from DEI to recruiting to retention to innovation, and I think we're uh, we're really in the early stages of this broader kind of new chapter for for the field broadly, you know, for, for HR, for people operations. Um, and I'd love to get your perspective. You know, when you think about our kind of opportunity to, to really redefine work, what gets you most excited uh, about the future of HR? Well, I, I mean, I'd love to follow on to um, the comment you began with, which is really around the change that's happening there. And, and when you look at it, we all, you know, know that you go through different phases in life and we all have, you know, those different you know, phases where you need sort of more flexibility, less flexibility, where you enjoy going to the office, where you actually, you know, feel like really stressed out about going to the office. Maybe your commute is too long. Maybe you have to look after, you know, your children, whatever, right? And just sort of adding that flexibility, adding that hybrid work style, I think is going to help us a lot on making sure we're attracting people who maybe before felt, you know, it just wasn't their kind of thing and they couldn't really sort of sign up for this with full commitment. And we can keep people, retain people throughout those different phases in their lives. And I do think that's a great opportunity for us. At the same time, I think we will need to continue to ensure that everybody kind of like keeps that open mind, keeps that constant learning. We've always talked about constant learning. I think now it's actually real. Um, now it's real around sort of that continuous of evolution that, you know, you need to continue to learn new things, try new things, learn from mistakes. And, and therefore, I think that's the piece I'm, I'm actually really most, well, you know, most excited is always hard because I think there's many things to be excited about. But, but if you look at that, that's one of those concepts that kind of leads into so many of our HR topics. It, yes, of course, leads into individualized learning journeys. It leads into, you know, having the right culture, like a culture that really sort of focuses on being inclusive, um, that focuses on, on really providing that psychological safety that at the same time is a culture that, you know, really drives people to want to perform, to want to actually excel um, and to still feel good and safe about experimenting and learning from mistakes. Um, and of course, a culture that really sort of makes sure you develop great leaders that understand how you, how, how to actually bring their people constantly onto kind of like the next step of their journey and enable them to continue to grow and thrive. And um, I think those are all great things that I think um, really mean that HR is going to be even more right in the midst of everything um, a company is doing um, for their future success. I think HR has such an important function in making, in, in safeguarding companies' ability to continue to be successful, to continue to evolve, to continue to deal with even disruptive changes, because we are the ones that can help building those resilient organizations that everybody's hoping 
to get to. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you're spot on, on on all of those. And I think it really, it underscores the evolution of the field. We talked about, you know, everything kind of goes through evolutionary cycles from the, you know, maybe more traditional, transactional, administrative type HR functions to this much more strategic, proactive business function that's focused on people where we are today and certainly where leading organizations are today. Sabina, I really enjoyed learning more about your uh, your career path uh, and your journey to SAP. We close every episode with uh, just a quick lightning round to help the viewers and listeners get to know you a little bit better. So you can try to keep your answers to around a sentence and uh, we will kick things off. Are you ready? I try. All right. Uh, so we always start with music. Uh, who are your top three artists that you find yourself listening to most often? I hope I'm allowed to use music styles. Love Brazilian music, actually. So the modern one, um, sort of a bit towards, um, you know, the Brazilian funk, actually. Um, and um, actually love um, good old British retro um, punk wave. And um, actually... Surprising but true, a bit of metal as well. Ah, okay. All right. Well, we can, we can have some separate conversations on metal as well. I think we probably have some common, uh, common musical tastes. Um, what is your least favorite HR buzzword? Maybe it's, I can't believe it's so hard to get the data together. Well, again, this, that's another part that underscores this uh, transition that we're in from the kind of more legacy transactional HR to strategic HR. That's, uh, that's yeah. an absolute essential for It's for amazing, HR. you know, when you look at it, um, so many people are kind of like, oh, we have different data about this. And you go like, okay, so single source <laughs> of truth, I think is a cool one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's that's an imperative for most of uh, your contemporaries' uh, roadmaps if it's not in place today. Um, if you uh, weren't in HR, and I'm going to, you know, obviously, you've had a couple different careers, so I'm taking kind of business and MD type roles off the table in this questions as well. If you weren't doing either of those two things, what would you be doing? I'd probably work for some institution looking at reinventing the future of learning. You know, you, you mentioned having those kind of HR peer networks, um, right, that you can you can talk to about ideas, um, you know, challenges and hurdles. How important have those networks been for you kind of in your in your onboarding experience at SAP? Hugely important. Um, just going back to people who kind of like share similar challenges and having those exchanges around sort of what they think, what, what they've seen. And actually also, you know, maybe about getting some feedback around how, how important, I mean, just getting the perspective is like a very big thing in their view as well. Or are you like special in terms of thinking this is like really big? Um, I think it's hugely helpful. Well, Sabine, I really appreciate you making time to come on the show and helping us learn a little bit more about your career journey to HR and what you're building in SAP. So thanks so much for making time. Thanks for a great discussion. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.